Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Most of you guys know, uh, started January 10th, we began 21 days of prayer and fasting, okay? Everyone's still fasting? We holding on? Hanging in there? Doing okay? Man, continue. If you've stumbled, pick yourself back up. We got one more week. Our last day is going to be the 30th, and we're going to close out with some prayer here. We're going to pray over the city. We're going to have a prayer service here. It's going to be awesome. Um, But many of us chose to fast something, and I invited the whole church to partake of a fast with Abigail and I and all the DCM staff, and we're doing liquids only, and many many of you have chose to do that too. And uh, guys, I just want to say I'm expecting for what's to come after this fast. Because, man, when the church comes together, when we fast and when we pray with faith in our hearts, God does incredible, really special things. And, um, you know, it's so funny. Thursday, I went and got lunch with this guy in Springfield, and, and I shared, you know, there's really four things that I'm personally fasting for. And I, I, I kind of shared those four things. And one of those four things was, uh, you know, me and Abigail are really starting to have that baby conversation, praying to have kids, and literally that night we got two babies. So <laughs> careful! It sometimes it's too powerful. Amen. So uh, yeah, be careful when you're praying. You know, but throw it out there. <laughs> I tell her that this morning. I thought that was funny, but for real, man, I want to encourage you: keep fasting, keep praying. Keep seeking Jesus, right? Keep seeking Jesus over the remainder of these 21 days. Um, and, and I want to challenge you with what, what are you believing God for in these 21 days? Like, what, what do you want to see God do either in your life or in someone's life around you? Because God is, he loves to give good things to his kids, right? So, and, and not only do I want to challenge you to bring something specific to the Lord in this time, whether that be to break an addiction or that be a promotion at work or financial breakthrough or healing in your body, whatever it might be. I mean, there is nothing too big. There is nothing too small to bring to God in this time. So do that over this 21 days. And then we're going to talk about all the testimonies. Come on, we'll share them. Bring them to me. As, as God does something in your life, in fact, I want to encourage you. If God has already moved in your life, if you've already seen fruit from the fact, we have prayer and praise cards. Take that praise card, write down, let us know. You can drop it in the offering buckets. What has God done in your life? How is he ministering to you? We want to hear those stories because it not only encourages me, but we can encourage all 400 people that are coming here on a Sunday, okay? So not only though do I want you to bring your specific need to Jesus, I want us to seek Jesus himself. I want us to pray for a greater intimacy with Jesus. Ultimately, our theme for the year, what we want to see collectively, is transformation in our lives. Right? But this isn't a transformation we're praying for to just be a better dad, a better grandparent, a, a better worker, a better boss. No, we want to be more like Jesus. Our prayer is, Father, would you, would you transform us into the image of your son, Jesus? I want to talk like him. I want to walk like him. I want to think like him. I want to love like him. I want to give like him. I want to heal like him. I want to pray like him. I want to be like Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus, church? So over these past couple weeks, we've been talking about, uh, you know, Sunday mornings, we've been talking about prayer and the fast. Wednesday nights at 6.30, we've been praying and fasting. Have y'all enjoyed Wednesdays? Come on, Wednesdays have been incredible. This is our last Wednesday coming up. 
get out here for 6.30. I think we had about 120 people this past Wednesday. I'd love to see even more than that. Come on out. Let's, let's get together and let's pray. We're even praying with the youth. And anytime you do something with the youth, it's going to be a good time. Amen? And y'all are like, amen. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't lie in church, Pastor Mark. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We love them. They're, they're a blast. Um, but we've been praying and praying and talking about prayer and, and all of that. And uh, we've talked a lot about prayer. I don't know that we've talked a whole lot about fasting, though. So I wanted to take a little bit of time today and talk about fasting a little bit and encourage you in this last week. And, and here's the deal. Maybe you didn't decide to do the fast. For this last week, I want to challenge you because your fast, it doesn't just affect you. We've talked a lot about this idea of transformation, and even leading up to that, we talked about maturing spiritually as a church. And if we're going to mature as a body, if we're going to mature collectively, we have to spiritually mature as individuals. We all have a part to play. We all have a role to play. And who knows, you know, what your faith and what your prayer might do for the people even in this room. So I want to encourage you. You know, maybe you've never fasted. Maybe you started and then you gave up for this last week. Let's all pick it up. Let's hit it hard. Let's believe God for the divine, for the supernatural. And uh, we'll talk about all the good things that, that come of it, okay? Does that sound all right? Yeah. All right, so let's... Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 17. If you got your Bible or you read your Bible on your phone, you can go to Matthew 17. We're pretty much going to be there all day. Um, and we're going to be reading the old New King James Version. Come on, everybody love New King James Version? I love it. It's good. Matthew 17. You guys sound excited. Praise God. There's my, yep, there's my primitive Baptist over there. Come on, glory. Yep, yep. We love Caleb. All right, Matthew 17. Matthew 17, it's an interesting story. I've touched on it. it, it it's, a, it's a powerful story. Let's check it out. It's Matthew 17, 14 through, I believe, uh, 19. It says this. And when they had come to the multitude, here we find Jesus. He's walking with Peter, James, and John. He's coming down from the mountain, and we'll talk about that in just a second here. But Jesus is, a, is approaching this group of people with Peter, James, and John. And he gets approached. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son for he's an epileptic, epileptic and he suffers severely for he often falls into the fire or often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And then Jesus said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why, why couldn't we cast it out? You know, up until this point, the disciples had... They had performed miracles. They had been with Jesus and seen Jesus perform miracles. And there's a reputation built here that this, this, this group of men and, and their leader, Jesus, is a powerful group. So much so, people are, are bringing the people that are most dear to them for healing. Okay? Um, so I, I want to talk about this set of scriptures and then a couple of scriptures after it, if that would be all right. But first, let's pray. Um, Jesus, we love you so much. 
As we're in this room right now, Father, I pray that uh, you would till the soil of our hearts. I pray that you would minister to us clearly. Would your whisper be loud this morning? Father, I don't want to just speak to a room full of people about you, about your goodness, about your plans for us, about your truth, and uh, we just hear it, but we never do anything with it. God, when we do that, you say that we're deceiving ourselves. Father, I pray that we would be hearers and doers of your word. So let the seed of your word take root in our heart. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be more like you. Our prayer is that you would transform us. In your holy and mighty name, we all said, amen. amen. The disciples look at Jesus after this, and they, and they come to Jesus privately. I don't know if they're embarrassed. I don't know if they're confused. I don't know if they're discouraged, but they say, Jesus, how come you could cast the demon out, but we couldn't? How come we couldn't do it? I love this story. You know, at, at this moment in the scriptures, Jesus, he had been up on the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, experiencing what we know in the scriptures as the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus takes these three disciples as he normally would take these three disciples on these special little missions. And uh, he, he went up on the mountain and Jesus is transfigured. It's like Jesus is in essence glorified where he's like a, becomes a bright light. I can't even describe it. And there's a billows of smoke, right? And, and Peter, James, and John are like, what is going on? And, and, and then Jesus is meeting with Moses and Elijah. Then God speaks through the cloud to the disciples and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It's this, it's this divine moment. And Jesus allows Peter, James, and John to experience it on top of this mountain. This is, this is what's going up on, on top of the mountain, but meanwhile, while this is all going, up, going on on top of the mountain, the disciples are down on the bottom, the rest of them, and, and they're healing, they're, they're performing miracles, they're, they're, they're handling conflicts at the, at the bottom of the mountain, but they're presented with this one specific conflict that they just can't seem to find victory in. They're struggling, this daddy he comes to the, this group of disciples and he says, he, he's desperate, this dad is desperate. He's saying, my, my kid, he's, he's got a problem. He, he, he has seizures, and, and then he falls over, and, and when these seizures happen, he's, he keeps almost falling into the fire, and then he, he falls into the water, and he almost drowns it. I, I don't know what to do if we don't get him fixed. I don't think he's going to make it. I don't think he's going to be alive much longer. Can you heal him? Can you heal him? He's coming. He's, he's desperate. I just wonder, you ever been desperate? Have you ever been desperate for God to move in your life? Desperate in a certain situation. This is where we find the dad. You, you ever found yourself desperate for a move of God in a specific area of your life or the lives of the people around you? I think many times, you know, because I'm this kind of spunky pastor um, who's usually pretty joyful and I, and I like to make jokes, it's easy for people to maybe look at Pastor Mark and assume, maybe, maybe I haven't experienced much trial or hardship. Maybe I haven't known what it's like to find myself in a desperate spot, but you have. So Mark, I get how you can trust God, but you don't know what I've been through and why. I wrestle with my trust. And I want to say, believer, I'm right there with you, though. I'm right there with you. Uh, let's not forget here. I, I, was in, I was in my kitchen. I've, I've shared this with some of you. I was in my kitchen where, where one, my youngest cousin had just tried to commit suicide. She's laying on her bed. She's being kept alive by a machine. And I said to my whole family, right, I'm leading. I'm in ministry at this time. I'm a pastor at this time. I looked at my family and I said, she's going to get up. She's going to live. She's going to be okay. And she died. I've been there. I've experienced the heartache. I've been desperate. I've walked through some of it. You know, something that 
I, I haven't even really shared with a lot of you, but this is, again, I'm throwing all my personal laundry over you this morning, but I feel like I don't do this that often, so just bear with me. But even as I was putting this together, you know, Abigail and I, this is a, kind of an intimate part of our relationship. Some of you in the room, again, some of you know, some of you don't, but when Abigail and I first started dating, we were sitting on the couch in her apartment, and she was kind of down, and she felt like she needed to tell me something. And I'm like, go ahead. I'm like, go ahead, share it with me. What's going on? And she went on to tell me that Abigail has a brain tumor. And in her head, it's, it, it's a benign brain tumor. It's not cancerous, but it pushes up against her pituitary gland. So the pituitary gland is like the control center of, you know, your whole body, pretty much. It operates all your hormones. And I'm not a scientist, so some of this might be inaccurate. Have some grace for your boy. I'm doing my best, okay? <laughs> so she's like, that's not right, Mark, but it's, it's okay. So, you know, her hormones are, are off, and, and she begins to weep, and she says, I, I know this is a lot, and really because it, you know, there was the possibility that we weren't able to have kids if we weren't able to shrink the tumor or whatever, because she wouldn't really ovulate or anything like that, so there was a lot of unknowns, there was a lot of questions, and as I was like, whatever, I was like way too love-struck for that to even touch me, you know, I'm like, that, that ain't no big deal, we'll be fine, God will work it out, right? So, you know, we, uh, whatever, she's taking meds, and she's good, and we're good, and it's nothing you need to be worried about or anything like that. We're praying, but, you know, there's been moments where, specifically when we were praying and fasting, like, God, just take it away. I know, it's, I know she's alive, I know we're okay, and I know things are, are fine, and there's not maybe some, it's real dangerous at, at this point in time, but God, take it away. Just dissolve it pray. We, we, we've put the oil on and prayed over. We've been in a living room full of people screaming prayers, believing God to heal Abigail. And uh, every time we go to the doctor, prolactin levels still tell us there's still a tumor. Tumor's still there. Okay, but we've been desperate. I know what it's like to feel desperate, right? But at the same time, I, I don't want to, and I don't want that to sound discouraging or to be discouraging because we know the hope is God works all things together for good too, right? And now we got, you know, we, we got two little kids in our house too. So praise God. And who knows if we would have done something like that. So that's our journey. That's a part of our story. I know y'all got y'all stories too. And we could stay in here all morning and we could share. Man, this is where I'm desperate, right? And I wonder, if we were to share, what would, what would your story be? What have those seasons been like? Have you found yourself desperate for God to intervene in your life? Ailment in your body. You needed to touch. Aaron Martin, you needed oxygen in your lungs, right? Come on, a, a marriage in shambles, and you're like, God, you've got you to glue us back together. We're, we're falling apart. Have you found yourself desperate in need of a job, and you've got a family to provide for, Right? And, and those bills are coming and, and there's nothing. Have you been desperate? We're all on the same page. A lot of us have found ourselves in this moment. And this, this, so we can understand where this dad's at. So we can almost insert ourselves somewhat into this story. This is where this dad is. He's desperate. He's desperate. I need you. I need you to do something. I need victory in this. I need breakthrough in this. And he brings them to the disciples. And, you know, the disciples at this time, um, they, they, they pray, but they're unable to cure this young boy. So as Jesus is coming down the mountain, he's, he's approached by this father. And 
you got to think, this father's heard. He knows of the reputation of the disciples. He's heard about what they're able to do. They're, he's heard about their special spiritual abilities to lay hands on people and see them healed and, and all of this. And, and he brings, I'm sure he has hope. And then he brings his kid and pray for him. And they realize that he's still not, he's still not healed. He's desperate. And then he sees Jesus coming and he approaches Jesus. And this is where our story picks up. Matthew 17, verse 14, it says this. And when they had come to the multitude, right? So Jesus, this is all, this is all happening down at the bottom. Jesus is, is coming down from the mountain. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Their prayers didn't work. There wasn't victory. There wasn't breakthrough. What I wanted to happen didn't happen. And I think Jesus' response is so interesting. I honestly, I had to study it a little bit this week. Like, is Jesus frustrated? Is he disappointed? Who's he, who's he talking to? Is he talking here specifically to the disciples when he says this? Is he saying this kind of broadly over this group of people right here? Jesus responds rather harshly. Jesus says, uh, Matthew 17, 17 through 18, it says, then Jesus answered, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, if, you, if you've experienced seizures or health issues, I don't think every time you, you got something like that, I don't think it's a demon possession. But what this demon was doing through that, you know, it's work manifested through seizures, but the, the, there was suicidal behavior coming out of a kid who wasn't suicidal right? Falling into water, falling into fire. So when Jesus rebukes the demon, when he heals this boy, there was demonic power at work within this kid that was causing him to act in a suicidal way, right? So Jesus speaks to the demon and the kid and, and commands the demon to go, and the demon goes right, right when he says it. But here, Jesus has some interesting words for his disciples. He says his disciples are faithless and perverse. And then he asks them, how long do I have to be with you? Jesus is like, how long are you going to depend on me? Don't, don't you understand the power that I've delegated to you? Don't, don't you understand the power I've commissioned you to have? Remember, Jesus is on the mountain, and then he, and then he almost, I, I don't know, it's, you know, I wasn't there, but, it, but it's like he almost seems irritated with his disciples who weren't able to carry out the work when he, when he wasn't around. And Jesus expects the disciples to be equipped with enough faith to carry out the work of the Lord. I think Jesus expects us, wants us, desires us to have enough faith to carry out the work of the Lord, right? Jesus speaks to the demon at work within the boy. He, re he rebukes the demon. The child's he healed in that very moment. And the disciples are just sitting there. And I don't know if they're surprised. Like I said, I don't know if they're embarrassed or, or what has happened at this point. But uh, later, they move on. Jesus is off by himself because here in verse 19, Matthew 7, 19, it says, then the, dis the disciples, they came to Jesus privately. And they said, why couldn't we cast it out? Why, why couldn't we cast out the demon? 
And Jesus takes time to respond, and he says this, Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, he says, you ask, I'll, I'll answer your question. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. That's powerful. Huh? I wonder, what would God do through this body specifically if we would rid ourselves of unbelief? Now, maybe you read this and you think, you know, Jesus calls us to have faith, and maybe you're even thinking, what is faith? And this is one of those verses as, as a pastor where sometimes it's even hard to preach these verses because maybe we've walked into those moments like, Jesus, I had faith. I really believed. I, 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 really, I really believed you, right? Like, I, I, really, I really thought you were able. Maybe you're in the room, and Jesus is calling us to have faith the size of a mustard seed. That's not even that much faith, right? Just if you had real faith that I'm able to do it, there is a calling on our lives as believers to walk around as people of faith and to believe that God is able, right? Even when it feels vulnerable, even when it feels scary, I'm gonna ask God, I'm gonna believe God for, for the more, right? I'm gonna believe that he's able. But he tells us, if you even have faith the size of a mustard seed, what is faith? The Hebrews writer, so kindly tells us in Hebrews 11.1. 1, he says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for and it's the evidence of things we cannot see. You know, I think faith feels so vulnerable and faith is so scary because it revolves around what we cannot see and what we hope for. A great example of this is heaven, right? We can't see heaven. We haven't touched heaven there's no earthly address for heaven, but we believe by faith that God has prepared a place for us after this. But that requires faith, right? Faith is, is believing. It, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Jesus is saying to the disciples, but really what I believe he's speaking to us too is believer, I want you to believe in the power you've received through me. I want you to believe that I am able. And I'd love to park here and, and preach on this until the sun goes down, you know. But a lot of me wonders, how, how, how much are we not seeing due to lack of faith? I think it's a question we gotta ask. How, how much are we not seeing due to lack of faith? This wasn't the last thing, but, but this wasn't the last thing Jesus said to his disciples. Jesus said this, but he made, but he, you know, and it's not so much where he's, you know, um, just kind of raging, like, you don't have any faith, you gotta have enough faith, come on, just, you gotta believe. I think Jesus wanted to set the precedent that before anything else, you gotta have faith in me. You gotta believe I'm good, you gotta believe I'm able, you got to believe I use my people. You got to believe I have plans and, and purposes for you. You got to have faith. This whole thing starts by faith. Salvation starts with faith. It is, it is by grace through faith we've been, we've been saved, right? It's, it's almost like he's, before I say anything, 
before I address this situation, I want you guys to understand you gotta have faith. Believer in the room, you gotta have faith. Let faith rise up in your heart that God's able and God is good. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep believing, continue to have faith. But this isn't all that Jesus said. He said, you're like, Pastor Mark, this message is supposed to be on fasting. You haven't talked about that at all. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot. Matthew 17, 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But then, verse 21, Jesus says, however, this kind, this kind of demon, this one that I just had to rebuke, the one that I just got out of here, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. This kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. And ultimately, Jesus, I feel like he's teaching us a little message here that not just prayer, not just fasting, but when we stir up this concoction of faith, right? Come on, believe in God. When, when, when we stir up this concoction of faith, when, when we stir up this concoction of fasting, when we have faith in our hearts, when we pray and we fast with faith in our hearts, strongholds are broken. People are set free. Lives are changed forever through the power of Jesus at work within us. We learn that some victories, what Jesus is telling here is some victories are only going to come through prayer and, and faith filled prayer and fasting. You know, we as a staff, we listened to this sermon this week. I've, I've started, uh, I was talking with my fast, with, with my staff, and I said, you know, we come in, and a, a lot of times when, when we come into the church, there's, you know, it's, it's can be, you can be busy, and your mind's on a lot, and sometimes I, I just wanted to create this space for us to just sit and receive. So I said, hey, Wednesday mornings, we're going to have a little staff church, okay? We're going to start having staff church. So we're going to listen to someone else preach. We're going to listen to someone else do worship, and we're going to sit. We're going to get our notebooks out. We're going to get our Bibles out, and we're going to go to church, okay? That's what we're going to do. So we listened to uh, uh, Pastor Matt Chandler. He talked about fasting this week, and he did such an incredible job, really ministered to all of us talking on this idea of prayer and fasting, and he, he preached out of uh, Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, I'll read the verse to you, Matthew 9, verse 14 through 15. Because here's the deal. I, again, I want us to bring something specific to the Lord in this time. I want us to ask God for the big things, for the little things. Ask God for the healing. Ask him for the financial breakthrough, right? A ask him for the healing in your family. A ask him for the opportunity. Ask him for clarity. Ask him, ask him to whatever, whatever you're seeking God for. Continue to ask with faith in your heart. I want to encourage you. Ask. Believe God. Come on, you have not because you ask not. Ask God. But I also, I also want to make this point clear here. And, and I want to tie this into our fasting. So Matthew 9, verse 14 through 15, it says this. Then the disciples of John, John the Baptist, right, came to him saying, Why do we in the Pharisees fast, but you and your disciples, y'all don't fast? So the disciples of John the Baptist come up to Jesus and his disciples and they say, Jesus, I'm just curious. Like, we fast, because we're spiritual like that, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then the Pharisees fast, and I see them, and I know y'all butt heads sometimes, but why don't, why don't you guys fast? I love Jesus' response here. He says, Jesus said to them, 
Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. And maybe you're like, thank you for not bringing any clarity to me, Jesus. Thank you for that. I'll put it in layman's terms. Basically what Jesus is saying is, man, I'm, I'm the bread of life. I'm what gives life. I'm, I'm the bread of life, right? They're, they're with the bridegroom. You know, when you, when you go to a wedding at this time, weddings have this huge feast, right? It's, it's this celebration. And Jesus is like, you know, the bride is the church, right? Jesus is here. He's present. He's with his disciples. He's like, this, this is going on. This is a celebration, you know? We're not going to fast right now. But again, I'm re- really simplifying this. I'm really dumbing this down. He's saying, but, but I'm going to leave, okay? I'm going to ascend to the Father, and, and they'll be without me. Jesus will live in us through his Holy Spirit, but they'll fast when I leave. And, and what Jesus is implying is, and then he, he goes on to share that verse of, uh, you know, don't pour new wine into old wineskins. He's saying something's changing. We have to change. There's a new reason why we fast. There's going to be a new reason why we fast. We're going to have to change the wineskins. It's going to look a little different because there's new wine, right? And so now he's implying, this at the simplest level, he's implying that when we pray and we fast, we get a greater intimacy with him. We fast because he's no longer tangible, right? In, in, in substance, it's, but it's, it gives us a nearness to him when we fast now. So we pray because prayer, it, it, it lights up our prayer life, right? It, it, it's like it supercharges the work of God in our life, but also it gives us a new intimacy, a new ear, right? A, a new a sensitivity to God at work within us. This is why we fast. Jesus says, he goes, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast. And this church is why we're fasting. This is why we're fasting. God, we want more of you. More more than anything. Because the miracles and and the, come on, how many of y'all, God's done something wild in your life. God's, God's answered a prayer in your life. Right? He's done something good for you. And then the next day, you're back out stumbling into the old things you used to stumble into. Come on, the, the miracles, the healings, the breakthroughs, the victories, it's fruit. We want the root. We want Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus changes everything. If I don't got Jesus, I don't want anything. Right? I need him. So let's not forget, this is what this fast is about. God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. You know, so I want to I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Don't perform this fast casually. Finish strong, knowing that our creator is at work. He's at work while we're fasting, okay? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.